0: Be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide all the nations upon earth. This has been a heavy week, a lot to process. And just in the last two days since Friday, more than a dozen major charities have canceled their plans to host fundraising events at Donald Trump's Mar a Lago Golf Resort in Palm Beach. For example, the American Red Cross nixed their plan to host the International Red Cross Ball there because Trump's response to the events in Charlottesville last weekend was distressing to their supporters. In a statement, the Red Cross said, quote, The American Red Cross has decided we cannot host our annual fundraising event at Mar-a-Lago as it has increasingly become a source of controversy and pain for many of our volunteers, employees, and supporters. We believe this action will allow us to continue to put the focus on our life-saving mission and the people we serve. The Red Cross provides assistance without discrimination to all people in need, regardless of nationality, race, religious beliefs, or political opinions. And we must be clear and unequivocal in our defense of that principle. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I would hazard to say that the people we saw in Charlottesville are broken human beings. Many of them, if given the opportunity, would find their way out of the vortex of hate and one ray of hope that is just one example of this is a man by the name of Christian Picciolini, who's the son of Italian immigrants. And you may have heard of him this past week because he's all over the media. Uh, Piccolini's story is that from the ages of 14 to 22, uh, which was from 1987 to 1995, so this is nearly 30 years ago, uh, from the ages of 14 to 22, he was a neo-Nazi. In 2011, Picciolini founded a nonprofit called Life After Hate, and he is busy de radicalizing white supremacists. Now, Picciolini says that they used to get an average of two referrals per week before the November elections, but since our presidential election in November, now there's more like five referrals per week. Just last Friday, at the same moment when the charities were canceling fundraisers at that Trump property, Picciolini accompanied a former skinhead to get the swastika tattoos removed from his face, according to Picciolini. What happened last weekend was only a matter of time. He says of the white supremacists nine out of ten nine times out of ten. Uh, uh, They've never had a meaningful interaction or dialogue with the people they hate. They hate other people because they hate themselves. From his book called Long Walk to Freedom, Nelson Mandela wrote this. No one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate, and if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. So what are the readings for today? The Old Testament in our reading today says, Consider the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to love the name of the Lord. Those who keep the Sabbath and hold fast to God's covenant, Isaiah tells us, who, those people who live in accordance with the law, those are the people that God says God will bring to God's holy mountain. Those who keep the Sabbath and hold fast to God's covenant. And what does that mean, to hold fast to God's covenant? For that, we need to turn our eyes to the gospel As Casey said, this is really a rich and fascinating story. If we look at the gospel story, we understand that for us as Christians in the 21st century, it's easy to say yes, to recognize Jesus as the Son of God, because according to the Nicene Creed, we believe the resurrection proves that Jesus is the only Son of God, the one who has reconciled heaven and earth and has laid the foundation for the new creation. The one who died and rose again, and in union with him, we hope to do the same. But for Matthew and for the followers of Jesus in the first century, the first disciples, the first to listen to what Jesus had to say, to say yes was a step into the unknown. The crucifixion and the resurrection, in other words, the way of the cross, still lay ahead. How would they know that the Jesus that was pouring into them, in spite of the resistance and the cross currents that were in their hearts, was soon to be crucified, die, and rise again? All of this lay ahead in the future. So what caused the first disciples to say yes to Jesus? To explore that question, I'd like to look at the woman in the gospel today because she says yes to our Lord. To fill in a bit of the background, and it might be obvious, uh, the Canaanites lived in the ancient land of Phoenicia, northwest of Galilee, and were ancient enemies of the people of Israel. They're also known, uh, according to the gospel, as Gentiles. They had been at odds with each other for centuries. So there's something very striking in the story to begin with because she approaches Jesus and his disciples even in spite of this ancient animosity. Here's the dialogue. The Canaanite woman calls on Jesus not as rabbi or teacher but by his messianic name, Lord, Son of David. She recognizes the ancient Uh, uh, Hebraic formula of, of prophethood He's the descendant of the son of David The Messiah When she calls on him She gives it all she's got And the gospel says so She says she's loud And she repeats herself She's so loud in fact That the disciples plead with Jesus Saying she keeps shouting Send her away She's bothering us The moment perhaps of greatest energy in this story is in how Jesus responds because he does join with the disciples at first and says, Get out of here. I didn't come for you. He says, I came for the lost people of the house of Israel. His mission, as far as he understood it to this point, his primary mission was to return the Jews to an original understanding of God. So why should he give what was intended for his people to an outsider? He says, why should I take the children's food from their mouths? By which metaphorically we can understand him to say the bread of life himself. The children's food is symbolizing Jesus. The Canaanite woman replies, yet even a dog eats the crumbs under his master's table. She seems to be accepting Jesus' hierarchy, his understanding of the world, uh, which separated the Jews from the Canaanites. And she seems to be accepting a lesser reward than those who had uh, the primary claim on Jesus. She seems to be accepting the claim that his primary mission is to the house of Israel. But yet she has the integrity to argue her worthiness to the Lord and demand that Jesus recognize her suffering. In other words, she demands his compassion. She needs to be seen. Her faith in God's compassion then convinces Jesus. And what does it suggest that Jesus then changes his mind and grants her uh, demand? Well, it's an interesting and powerful encounter when I listen closely, the first thing I hear in this encounter is a kind of mutual boldness. The woman is loud and persistent. She won't go away. Without the benefit of knowing about the resurrection, she knows who Jesus is. The son of David, she calls him, the Messiah of the Jews. On Jesus' part, he is bold in refusing to listen to her at first He's bold in how he rejects her. He says, you're foreign, you're alien. You're not my people. Why should I interact with you? I came to return the Jews to a right understanding of God and to be the new covenant. Far from being intimidated, the woman returns his serve beautifully. When he says, it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs, she replies, but surely even the dogs eat the scraps or the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She goes along with the metaphor. He steps up and she steps up as well. Jesus is children's food and she asks to dine on the crumbs. She goes right along with Jesus. Now food is an element that speaks to our hunger. right? And Hunger is a, is a basic primal uh, feeling, our yearning to be in union with God and one another. How do we feed that hunger? This exchange between Jesus and the woman, though brief, is fascinating because there is an answer to that question, how we feed that hunger, and it is in a heart-to-heart connection, an inner seeing of the heart. Jesus sees who this Canaanite woman is, and she sees who he is. And in the light of their mutual recognition, they end up empowering each other and draw each other along in a mutual self-disclosure until the line that Jesus utters, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done as you wish. The tension in this story is between Jesus' understanding of his mission to come for the lost sheep of the people of Israel and his willingness to accept faith wherever it's found. What an extraordinary moment. Without revealing his true identity, the Canaanite woman knows who Jesus Jesus truly is. Something she sees in him encourages her to pursue her quest for healing, and something he sees in her gives him the confidence to defy social convention and maybe even the law, to perform that miracle for an alien, someone he'd been taught to hate. Something about Jesus gives this woman the confidence to go deeper and deeper in, deeper into herself, knowing far beyond what she could know from ordinary knowingness, knowing fully in the intimacy of her heart that the Son of David is real. This quality of awareness is not something that comes from outside the moment, it grows in the moment itself in the energy and the quality of the heart-to-heart connection and the interaction between Jesus and this woman. It's like a transfusion, one deeply calling to another. This teaching, this healing story, is truly a story about inner transformation. The charities today that are canceling their fundraisers at Mar-a-Lago and the CEOs who resign from Trump's economic councils, they, I would suggest, are like the disciples who object to the woman's caterwauling. With all the moral indignation of the righteous, the CEOs and the charities are proud to express publicly their disapproval. It would be very easy to stand with them and to agree, yes, yes, Moral indignation, this is what's called for. But maybe what's harder than that is what Jesus requires of us. Because after the law comes grace. The reason the woman doesn't have what she needs, the food to which Jesus refers, is because that food symbolizes something that has to be individually created in her through her own conscious striving. This is something this lesson has to teach us. Nobody can give this to you, and nobody can take it away from you. The food that drives out the demons stands for the quality of your transformed consciousness, and unfortunately, it just isn't possible to become conscious unconsciously. In other words, you have to do the work for yourself. Nobody can give it to you. Jesus could not possibly share his healing touch Until and unless the woman was ready to receive it. A certain spiritual substance needed to crystallize in her before she could emerge, in Jesus' eyes, as a complete human being. Dying to an old way of being and being born into a new way of being. That's the way of the cross. The way of Jesus is the way of death and resurrection, the path of transition and transformation into a new way of being. Jesus teaches us metanoia, a term that is about the art of going into the larger mind, going beyond our own narrowly constrained or circumscribed um, egotistic worldview, the turning around or a shift in consciousness. Jesus moves us away from the alienation and polarization of our current times, of our current operating system, into the unified field of divine abundance that he uh, has told us can be perceived only through the heart. We are part of this universe, we are in this universe, but perhaps more important than both of those facts is that the universe lies within us. Thus says the great astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson, who tells us, "quote, the four most common chemically active elements in the universe—hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, and carbon—are the four most common elements of life on Earth." We are simply not in the universe; the universe is in us. So every time we look to the heavens, every time we turn our eyes to the celestial bodies in the sky, we are looking. At ourselves, we need that internal inner transformation, and it's the heart connection that matters.